It's been a tragic week. We think of the police commander, Chicago police, who was gunned down earlier this week. Funeral was yesterday. And then, of course, we think of Parkland, Florida, the high school there. There was a mass shooting. You see the kids filing out, indicating that they are not one of the shooters. And what happened was there was a a guy named uh, Nicholas Cruz. He had been expelled from the school for disciplinary issues. And he was looking for revenge. So he came up to the school with an AR-15 and lots of ammunition and smoke grenades. And he shot three people outside of the school, went into the school, full pulled... Uh, the fire alarm, and of course all the kids came out into the hallways, and then he just started to kill. And 17 people were killed, many more injured. This particular man is Aaron Rice. He's an assistant football coach. And when he heard the gunfire go off, he did not run away from it. He went towards it. He went towards the gunfire and he protected three teenage girls. Uh, They hid behind him and Aaron died. What a hero, huh? So much grief. Dave and Becky Graham attended our church regularly for many years and a year or two ago they moved down to Parkland, Florida. And their son, Ryan, which we know real well, he was in that high school when it happened. And thank God that he was saved. All this pain. Look at just some of these faces. We have the coach and another teacher and two kids. And we just shake our heads and... We don't even know how to begin to experience how the parents and the relatives of each of these victims feel. The ones who were injured. I mean, just a traumatic experience for the whole community. That's what a Goliath is. A Goliath is something that uh, is insurmountable, something that is overwhelming something that paralyzes us in fear. And that whole area and across the nation, people are paralyzed in fear because of what happened there, that they knew somebody who lost their lives. Goliaths are very common in life. You'll face many Goliaths, situations where I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. (laughs) I'm in a lot of trouble here. Today we're going to look at uh, the story of David and Goliath as we continue our series on David. And we're going to be talking about David's courageous heart. Start the story out, 1 Samuel 17. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up the line 
a battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, <clears throat> with a valley between them. So here we see a map of the actual area. So you see Saul's camp, the Israelites there on the left, the Philistines' camp on the right. Now we see the creek where David most likely picked up those five smooth stones, and then the Philistines went that way <clears throat> when the battle was over. It was like a mile, just a huge area that they were coming out to do battle. How big was Goliath? Well, <laughs> the average height of a U.S. male, I think, is 5'10". And then you have a 10-year-old girl, and you have a 7-year-old boy, and Goliath was 9'9". Nine, nine. Now, that's a formidable enemy. It's the best picture that I could come up with in regards to what Goliath looked like in the sense that he had his helmet on and he had this 125-pound coat of iron mail that protected his vital organs. He had a spear with a 17-pound point on the end, a javelin. He had someone who carried a shield that covered his whole body. Yeah, he was a very imposing individual. Well, they came out together to face the Philistines. <clears throat> this is what Goliath said. Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. This was representation battle back in ancient times. Instead of a lot of people being killed, they had a person from each army that would battle it out. And the winner would take all of the other army as their slaves. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. I defy means to, I stand against, I dare, I challenge the ranks of Israel this day. You come down and fight me. And we'll see who wins. All the men of Israel, when they saw the men, fled from him. And we're much afraid. <laughs> you can imagine you know, these Israelites looking up at this giant. And uh, you know, we talk about the flight, fight response. There was no thought of fighting here. <laughs> I mean, that adrenaline kicked in and they ran as fast as they could because they were terrified. They were terrified of this man, and they certainly weren't going to be the one that was going to be against Goliath and asking for death by going against him. We respond with fear, 
when uncertainty comes into our lives. And there are so many different times and ways and types of Goliaths. So what's a Goliath in your life today? Everybody has a Goliath. He might not be as tall than other Goliaths you've faced. But maybe it's illness, financial fear, unemployment, marital problems, divorce, emotional issues, chronic pain, addictions, work, or children. What's the Goliath in your life? What's the Goliath? What is happening in your life right now that you feel out of control? You do not know what to do. And you are constantly thinking about it. Alex and Ola Akinalem attend our church with their boys. And this is Alex here. And in fact, uh, yeah, Eric's three, Alex's three sons are back there. Good to have you guys, Tommy, Demola, and Josh. Uh, three weeks ago, Alex, he's a taxi driver in Chicago, and he collapsed at the wheel. He had an aneurysm. He had a stroke. And so someone found them, and they rushed him off to the University of Illinois Chicago Hospital. And they found out that, again, he was in, in bad shape. And so he's been in intensive care for two and a half weeks, and now he's been released to his room. And on Friday, I was down there uh, with Ola, his wife. This is uh, Ola here on the left side, and yeah. <laughs> that's you guys when you're younger. Josh is now in college, the tallest one, and then we have uh, Tommy, uh, the next, and then uh, Demola. They're in high school. But I went down to visit Ola, and I walked in, and Alex was setting up. So that was very encouraging to see. And uh, we talked with him, and he squeezed my hand really hard. <laughs> that was a great moment, and we're just praying for a miracle to happen in Alex's life, and that he would be healed, that he would be healed. We don't know what the future holds, but we're putting that in God's hands. Now think about the Kindlem family. Came out of nowhere, right? Sometimes that's how Goliath shows up. You wake up one morning, everything's fine. All of a sudden, during the day, at night, like Goliath appears, and it terrifies us. One thing I want to emphasize about dealing with the Goliath is don't do it alone. Whenever I talk with a person and, and they're facing a significant problem, I always ask this question, who is your support group? Who do you have around you that you can talk to, that you can lean upon, that they can help you and guide you through this? And sometimes they say, well, nobody. And that's so sad. This is, this is what the church is all about, and that's why I continue to exhort you and encourage you to, to be a part of Springbrook on a weekly basis and small groups and ministries because 
this is your support system. I think of uh, Jerry and Robin Samandel uh, sitting there, Ariel. And, uh, they, they, they have a small group. As I've watched that group throughout the years, that is a group that really cares for anybody who's in a tough time. I mean, they just show so much compassion and love, and I want to thank you guys uh, for modeling that. Uh, for us. You walk alongside people. Uh, if you're here at Springbrook and uh, you're not connected anywhere, I would encourage you to volunteer for a ministry to get to know people. Uh, come out to one of our workshops that we have for our discipleship pathway. Uh, get involved in a small group. We've got room for people. If you're interested, or a triad. Again, when you surround yourselves with people and you start building relationships, when your life hits the wall, okay, they're going to be there for you. We've been there for the Akinlan family. Pastor Matt has been working with the boys, and uh, we've been bringing meals over. Uh, Mary Ellen Mackey, who's here, as well as Cheryl Kai, uh, they've just really poured a lot of time into them. <laughs> That's what you want. And that's the way God designed the church. It's amazing what small groups do when someone is hurting among them. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. Can you imagine this? Every morning, Goliath would come out and he would shout his speech to wherever the Israelites were. Then in the evening, he did the same thing. How embarrassing. They were all hiding up there, I think. They didn't know what to do. It was an impossible situation. Nobody wanted to go out there. They didn't want to become slaves if somebody failed. There were all kinds of things going through the head, all kinds of fears. And friends... If you have a Goliath, it will be on your mind. You will wake up in the morning, and soon after you awaken, that Goliath will appear. And you'll say, oh, yeah, that's going on. And then it will happen in the evening as you lay your head down on the pillow. And it will happen throughout the day. The Goliath will continue to come to you and say, listen, I'm going to tear you apart. Take your job away from you. Take your health away from you. Whatever it might be. And friends, the problem is many times we as Christ followers try to ignore the Goliath. We try to pretend it's not there. And friends, when you do that, the Goliath only grows stronger. It only grows stronger. And there's so many people that live with, live with defeated lives because they have chosen not to engage with a Goliath in their lives. And he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. So, I don't know if this is on the 41st day or what. But, and David heard him. Why is that so important? Because David 
was not afraid of giants. Because he had a giant God, right? It was the way he had grown and built confidence in his relationship with God. He said, what's the problem here? David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David is saying, our God is being insulted here. He's the living God. He is not, we're not allowed We're not to allow him to have reproach brought on his name for him to be criticized in this way without an answer. What is going on? Why haven't you guys done anything? What would happen to the person who took this chance to fight Goliath? Well, a great, great prize package. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, great, great riches, right? And will give him his daughter. Not such a blessing as we see later. <laughs> Not a good part of the plan. And make his father's house free in Israel. What will you do to be tax-free in McHenry County in the state of Illinois <laughs> and the United States? Wouldn't that be great? Well, yeah, and that's what's promised to this person who will go out there and take on Goliath. Your servant, David says, has struck down both lions and bears. He's speaking to Saul here. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David is ticked off that this Stupid giant is coming down on his great God. He's incensed with it. He's more filled with anger about what this guy's saying. He's not concerned about his height. He's not concerned about what he could do to him. He is saying, you stop talking like that. Stop defiling the armies of the living God. They weren't thinking that way before, right? They're all huddled and hiding and... There was no God in the equation. And that is the challenge that we all face when we're going through Goliath's situations. We think we're alone. We think, well, God can't handle this one. God can't help me out of this one. I mean, this is far too hard for God. Something too hard for God? I don't think so. This is just a stupid problem. Right? A stupid man who needs to be taken down. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. Did he go to a zoo or something? No, this is not protecting the sheep. I mean, I don't know who came first, maybe the bear. And he had a slingshot there, 
I assume he took the bear down, then he took the lion down. And this Philistine just, oh, well, it's another animal. I can take care of this on behalf of the Lord. He had that confidence. Friends, I may be watching the Olympics this past week. Amazing, right? Unbelievable what these people can do. How they snowboard. How, how they skate. How they curl. How they, they do so many different things that we just stand there and look at it and say, wow, how can they do that? How can they do that? They started at three years old. That's how they can do that. They had the best coaches. That's how they can do that. They had stamina, determination, and they practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. And that's what David did as a shepherd. He practiced and practiced and practiced the spiritual disciplines of God, worshiping Him, reading His Word, taking steps of faith in order to take down the lion and the bear. Friends, sometimes we're so overwrought because we're so weak spiritually. Sometimes we think, oh, well, God will help me uh, in an emergency. And so I'm just going to put him in a little box. Well, friends, God can help you. But when you go to God in the middle of that problem, he's going to be as small Something that's insignificant. In your mind, you see, it's always how you view God. When Saul and the Israelites looked at Goliath, they saw him as impossible to face. They saw him as the worst thing that's ever happened to them. But David, who had a big God because he walked with God every day, he spent time with God because he stepped out in faith he had a huge God, and he looked at Goliath and said, Who is this fool who's defying Israel? You've got to work at it, right? That really is the key thing. How big is your God? I mean, God, of course, is you know, He's everything. But it all depends on your perception. And if you have a little God... Uh, Goliath comes your way and you're, you are scared. You are frightened because my little God can't handle this. But if you've been practicing the spiritual disciplines, spending time alone with God, your tag time, 50 minutes at least, five days a week, it's a good goal. And if you've been bringing other little Goliaths to Him and, and you keep on building your Faith, your faith goes strong because you've seen it done before. You gotta see God work and, and, and answer your prayers and it builds your faith, but if you never step out, it's not gonna happen. James 1, consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
What is the purpose of these Goliaths in our lives that are to help us to turn to God and say, God, I know you're involved in this. I know you want to teach me and mature me. Show me. Show me what you want to do. Consider it pure joy. Now think about your Goliath. How much time have you spent being anxious about your Goliath? Ten hours? Twenty? Fifty? One hundred? Two hundred hours? Oh, yeah. We think anxiety will work, right? Just keep thinking about it. It will come to me. Yes, yes. It doesn't work that way. What you need to do is to go to the Word of God and spend your time there. And every time that issue comes up in your life, you go to God in prayer and say, Lord, <laughs> you got to take this Goliath because I can't. How many love downhill skiing? Yeah, I've done it several times in my life on youth retreats, things like that. But I like the bunny hill. That is my hill. It's a hill I love. Because I can look like I'm doing something instead of getting out there and breaking my neck or legs on that big Goliath hill. Oh, yeah, I can look like a fool on the bunny hill and people won't be surprised because the bunny hill is for people who are starting out who are, or who are so scared they stay there forever. I'm older now and I still will go to the bunny hill. Because I'm afraid. Because I've never been... Well, once I went down the big hill, I think. <laughs> I didn't think it turned out well, probably. So, I'm back to the bunny hill. Are you stuck on the bunny hill of the Christian life? Are you? I'd say a lot of us are, aren't we? we got the bunny hill. we got a relationship with God. He's just the size that we need Him to be. And we keep going to the bunny hill, and all of a sudden this huge downhill skill, ski hill appears. And we are, we freak out! I want my bunny hill! Well, God wants you to go down the real hill. That takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? We gotta get off the bunny hill. We gotta spend our time with God. And as God brings on new challenges each day, we need to give them over to Him. Well, then David took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Remember, Saul tried to put his armor on David? Saul <laughs> you know, was this big guy. and David was 5'8 like me. And uh, so, yeah, it didn't fit, right? All he had was a sling as he approached the Philistine. And, oh, man, was this the moment? I mean, the Israelites and the Philistines, they're all watching. After 40 days, finally, something's going to happen. We're going to see David get crushed. Did you think anybody was saying, oh, I think David can take this one? No. Nobody! Nobody there believed that he could take it. And the Philistine said to David, 
Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Oh, you got your little slingshot and your staff. Ooh, I'm scared. And the Philistine cursed David by his God. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air or to the beasts of the field. Good Old Testament trash talk. That's what it is. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me. <laughs> you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. And I'm ticked. I'm going to take you down. Because you have insulted God. And you don't insult my God. I don't care how big you are. You're nothing. No bigger than a bear. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. Why was he able to face that giant? Because he had faced many other giants in his life. Full confidence. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts on the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That's what David's purpose was. He was not there to press anybody. He wanted the Philistines and the Israelites to know, we got a big God. This man's going down. He's nothing in the sight of God. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hand. The battle is the Lord's. Is that how you're approaching your Goliath? No, you're saying, oh, it's just me. You know, God's not going to uh, come through for me. No. You've you got to give your battle over to God because that's the whole purpose. He wants to be glorified through your life. The battle is the Lord. Say it with me. The battle is the Lord's. Louder. The battle is the Lord. One more. The battle is the Lord's. Now say, my battle is the Lord's. Say it. My battle is with the Lord's. My battle is with the Lord. My illness is with the Lord. Right? My financial fear is with the Lord. My divorce is with the Lord. My kids are with the Lord. My battle, the battle that I face, I can only do it with God. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. So what David did... I was talking with Peter Heckenberg. He'd done some research on this, and it really was kind of like an elongated stone, maybe three inches, and it was, you know, uh, so thin. But eventually the Romans made iron you know, stones. Uh, they worked very well. So he whipped that stone around, and he let it go at about 100 miles an hour. And it struck Goliath between the eyes. And oh, he went down. He went down. He made a loud sound when he hit the ground. 
can you just imagine the Israelites and the Philistines watching this? And the Goliath that's been coming out every day for 40 days, he is down. He is out. He is dead. And David just slices his head off. Well, probably took a little more work than that. But he sliced his head off with, with the Goliath's sword. Yeah. Isn't that cool? God can do the same thing in your life. So, well, you say, Dan, what are the stones that I use when the Satan comes my way, when fear overwhelms me? Well, it says in Ephesians 6 when it's talking about the armor of God, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. Friends, with the armor of God, you have only... One offensive weapon, and that is Scripture. What did Jesus Christ do when Satan was tempting him in the desert? What did he do? He quoted Scripture. There's power in Scripture. So let me ask you a question. Whatever Goliath you have, have you put a list of Scriptures together that address that particular issue? And you read those scriptures every day to encourage your heart. And if you're not doing that, you're not having the power you need. Do it. I mean, (laughs) I just continue to exhort you guys. You know, just go on the Internet and put in Bible verses on whatever issue it is. Identify some Bible verses Put them in some you know, app on your smartphone. And every day when you wake up and that Goliath is standing over you, you don't even want to get out of bed. You whip your smartphone out and you read those verses back to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. No, Goliath, you're not taking me down. The battle is the Lord's and I'm going to keep quoting Scripture to you until you get it, that I know what you've lied to everybody else about. There's power in the Word of God. Power in the Word of God. So that's my challenge for you today. Whatever your Goliath is, however you want to get the Scriptures, I don't care. But you put them on that smartphone. Put them on that smartphone. And when that Goliath shows its ugly head, you pull those up. God will provide for you. God will meet your needs. Do not worry about anything. And just keep. You can memorize the verses even better, but if that, just, just meditate on them. Because that's going to get your head straight. You're not going to keep running in fear because it's not your battle. It's the Lord's battle. He wants to be glorified through that battle. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Then be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Uh, we, we're a disciple-making church, so we're trying to put tools out there. We keep talking about them, so hopefully uh, you can uh, take advantage of them if you're not doing something else in this area. But for Scripture memory, it's Scripture typer. Uh, where's Karen Kerbiaki? There's Karen. See her? 
no, I don't see her. Thought she was here. <laughs> I mean, she's she's way ahead of everybody. <laughs> she's doing a great job. Uh, and then Bible in one year. All right. So I love it. You'll love it. If you're not having a time with God at least 15 minutes a day for five days or if you miss several days, don't worry about it. God's not judging you, but continue to pursue God and become stronger. We're going to have Darren Jocelyn come out at this time, and he's going to tell us about a Goliath that he and his wife faced and how God came through. Good morning. Pastor Dan had asked me if I'd be willing to share my testimony about the Goliath that uh, my family faced. And after praying about it and you know, considering being nervous up on stage, there really was only one answer, and that was, yes, Lord. So here I am. Um, in August of 2014, I was on a business trip uh, down to uh, my company's offices in Florida, and my boss met with me and said that my job was going to be no more at the end of the year. And it took a little bit after hearing that uh, message to respond, but I knew that I needed to get my resume together and I needed to start searching uh, for my next opportunity. Uh, And that started in October uh, of 2014. And I was praying for a new new position to come uh, on a daily basis. And opportunities would come and opportunities would go. And the end of 2014 was approaching rapidly. Companies were saying, I'm overqualified because of the experience that I have. Or I'm not qualified because I don't have a college degree. Our small group was praying for us as well as our prayer team uh, here at uh, Springbrook. And as much as I know prayer is good, I know that God will answer prayer in his time and in his way. But there was comfort for me knowing that I was, excuse me, in his care. I made the decision that I would rely on him, period. Well, 2015 began and I still had no job, but now I had a lot of free time. And it was then I decided I was going to read the Bible cover to cover for the first time. During this time, I also made daily devotion in the morning a priority. And the devotion that I was using always had the right words of encouragement that I needed to hear. God was feeding me. Our prayer warriors and small group continued praying over our family, and I was confident that God's got this. As each month of unemployment passed and our savings diminished, I was not going to surrender. Matthew chapter 7, verse 25 and 26 was an anchor for me. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And that rock was our Lord and Savior Jesus. Well, the winds were definitely blowing, and the floods were definitely, definitely hitting. And we prayed, and, and we knew God wanted us to do whatever we could to lower our expenses. 
So we put our house on the market to sell our house, not knowing when it would sell or where we would live. We put it on the market in June of 2015. We were able to sell it in September. But as those of us experienced in 2008, with that financial crisis, we knew all of the equity we had in our house was gone, and that even selling the house, we were never going to be able to recover that. So the house sold, and God provided us a place to rent in the same neighborhood where we lived. And that was very important for my wife and I because our daughter, uh, who was a junior in high school, um, we wanted to make sure that she went to the same school, that we didn't try to minimize disruption to her life. Also during that time, our middle son was in college, and we were not sure how we were going to keep him in college. And knowing what I have been going through without a degree, I was praying for that not to happen to my son. In addition to that, Kim and I were also challenged uh, with some uh, things in our families. We both lost our moms. Mine in May of 2015 and Kim's in March of 2016. We had to make trips back to the Northeast, which is where where we were both from, using money we didn't have. And we both felt, Lord, how much more can we take? But Kim and I both continued to look upwards. And we remained comforted by being in his hands. We were not going to panic. Each month that passed, God always found a way to provide something that would keep our faith strong. And I would often go to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Well, my unemployment lasted 15 months. During that time, I became closer to God. I read the entire Bible and was able to take online courses for college to try to work towards my degree. And then God gave me a position to reacclimate to the workforce. And three months after that, created a high-level opportunity as an executive consultant in a year contract. During that time, God also allowed me to continue taking college classes and to continue work to my degree. It's now been two years of working, and God is continuing to bless me and my family. I now have my associate's degree, and I'm eight classes away from my bachelor's. I am. Thank you. I'm consulting with a company right now in downtown Chicago that just hired a new CEO, and she is a committed believer. I met her on the 5th of February. We had our first one-on-one three days after that, and we're already talking about faith, talking about the Bible, and it's already been an encouragement to me in that role as well. So this is what I have to say for those facing your Goliath. 
Don't be discouraged when the doors close. As I assure you, many were closed on me. God's timing works. He knows what he's doing. Be faithful, listen, pray, and rely on our church family, your small group, and our prayer teams. Use the time he has given you to grow in your faith. Where he's faithful, he will answer, and you will soar on wings like eagles. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing it throughout this period. We've watched you, watched you walk through it, and it's just uh, a testimony to God. In fact, what I want to do, right, I want you to do right now, is we're going to give a standing ovation to God because He gets the glory. So, why don't you all stand Amen. up? All right. Just pretend your favorite team won. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Dear Lord, we glorify you. Yes. Thank you for Darren and Kim and the kids and the valley that they've walked through. They've discipled us as we've watched them step out in faith so many times. And Lord, I pray for all of us as we deal with our Goliaths in life. May we continue to hear stories of how you provided. In Christ's name, amen.